welcome to the very first episode of the Pursuit of Peace podcast, and we are your hosts, Gladys Ganger. And I am Kim Whetstone. And today, it is our goal just to simply introduce ourselves to you and then explore a little bit as to why we have decided to create a podcast around the idea of pursuing peace. So Gladys, let's begin by getting to know you a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you do, and what's going on in life right now? Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in the Dominican Republic and immigrated to the United States as an adult. Well, let's see, 13 years ago, 14 years ago? Mm. Seems crazy to me. Um, me and my husband and in the DR, it's a long story, that maybe but could be for another podcast. <laughs> and um, yeah, we've been married for... Uh, 13 years, so I guess if we've been married for 13 years, I was here before, so <laughs> 15 years I've been in the States. Um, we have four children, and they're 11, 9, 7, 5, so full life. I work as a developmental therapist for the state and work with families and their kids, so yeah, lots of, lots of ball in the air. Can you tell me, what what does it mean to be a developmental therapist? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? So um, I graduated as a teacher back in the Dominican Republic. I taught here Spanish and some private school. And then after my oldest was born, I needed to have something part-time. Then So I um, got credentials to work to the States. And a developmental therapist works alongside a speech therapist, kids that have speech delay or sensory issues. Um, and it's a free program uh, that the state is doing to prevent, it's called early intervention. It's just to prevent more uh, fallback to uh, kids when they're going to elementary school. <clears throat> um, what is it that you see in the work that you're doing on a daily basis? Can you, like, if you go into someone's home, yeah. what does that look like? What does your work look like? I'd say it's one of my favorite parts of, of mm-hmm. uh, working as a DT. I see so much diversity. I think I shared with you the other day that on Mondays, um, I go to about seven homes, and they're all from different countries. And it's just in the county that I live in. It's just it's one of my favorite things. And going to those homes that people live in their life and – uh, immigrating here, a lot of them are first-generation immigrants. It, it's one of my favorite things. I mean, it's easier when they speak my language, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's just great to see the resilience of these families yeah. and the care and the love is it, encouraging. And it makes me forget because this county is not known by being very diverse. <laughs> so um, that's one of my favorite things, just to be there. And I understand because I am an immigrant. I know how difficult it is to go to the shampoo aisle yeah, and find 200 options. And I, I have a good story to you about that shampoo aisle when I first came in. <laughs> so I came to be to work in a Spanish house in one a, a college in Michigan. And there was a bunch of international students, students from China, from um, Korea, South America. And then there was me, the Caribbean. And they were giving us a tour of how to live in America. And I remember they took us to a local grocery store, old shopping mall, and I just needed shampoo. And that was my first cultural shock mm. <laughs> that I saw. 
there were so many options. Just nearly to say, I can't, I didn't leave with this shampoo because there were so many. And I remember this German student so excited about life. She had like five in her hands, like, you can use one of mine. She was my roommate at that time. (laughs) But that, I remember that shock. And part of me going to these people's home with, usually we're the first one there when they find out that their kids need help. It's overwhelming. I mean, they're not choosing between different shampoo. They're choosing what is, they're thinking about their future of their kid um, in another country. Yeah. Usually they're here by themselves or have distant family. So, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite things about my job. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Uh, Gladys and I have been friends for over 10 years now, which is absolutely insane. And one of the things that I love about Gladys is her ability to connect with almost anyone. I've never seen someone that she doesn't have the ability to make feel welcome. Mm. You are just naturally hospitable and your presence is like a giant hug. Like you just wrap people in love. It's really a beautiful thing. And I love the way that you, you do that, not only in your home, but the way that you do that in your job. And you help people feel welcome and you create a space for people, as you said, who are adjusting to being in the United States. You create a space where you let them know not only that they're welcome here, but that they're not in it alone. And as you said, it's not just the shampoo aisle, right? We're talking about significant issues of advocacy regarding their child's education. I just love the way that you bring the fullness of who you are. Tell me about you, Kim. All right. All right. So um, I grew up in a small farming community in central Illinois. Uh, population 500, and there was no stoplight in the town until right before my family moved at the age of 10. And um, uh, But that season of life was marked by families gathering together to help with harvest, families gathering together to you know pull weeds. Quite literally, one of my first jobs was walking a bean field. I was a bean walker and um, pulling weeds out of the field so that the soybeans could flourish. And it was a small town community where people just had each other's backs. And I remember we would get these crazy ice storms. And one year we got this really bad ice storm and we were invited into town to stay at a friend's house. We had lost power for about a week and um, a farmer had brought over a generator for us to use every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But when it became clear that it wasn't going to be a great environment for us to be as, as a children because it was too cold, there wasn't enough water. Uh, than a family in town took us in. And so there was just this tremendous amount of community. And so uh, I look at that time period of my life living in this small farming community in central Illinois is a time that really laid a solid foundation and showed me what it could mean for people to come together and love each other well. When I was 10, my family moved to northern Illinois, and it was there that I really, truly experienced diversity for the first time. I remember walking into this classroom and um, probably about 30 or 40% of my classmates were students of color. And that was something that I hadn't experienced in this predominantly white town in central Illinois. And I remember hearing the accents and hearing people speak in Spanish and being so encouraged by it. And that moment was really significant for me because something I think came alive in me. And God really just began to affirm my love for different cultures and different people and understanding what makes people work and how we see God reflected in different cultures. And so uh, my husband and I met when I was in high school, and my husband's African-American. I'm white. 
A huge part of my journey has to do with what it means to come to grips with the fact that I am a white woman in America who has a tremendous amount of privilege and coming to the understanding that that privilege truly exists. And I remember uh, in particular one day being in the mall, uh, an African-American gentleman walked by and I remember holding my purse a little bit tighter. And I realized in this moment that I had probably done that a million times mm. without realizing it. Mm. But in that moment, realized that I'd done it. Stopped where I was and asked the question, why? Why did I do that? Wow. And I began unpacking what were the messages I received in the media? What were the messages I received at school? What were the messages I had received inadvertently, directly, and indirectly from my family of origin? And how did that shape my understanding of race and safety and people? And so that journey around race and understanding my identity as a white individual in this culture and, and understanding white supremacy as well as racial injustice, when I look at my husband and my children, that's been a significant part of my journey. I started off kind of my ministry career in residential ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually where Gladys oh, and I met. met. Yeah. Uh, Gladys and I were both house parents in a facility for single teen moms and their children who had been previously homeless. We dealt with domestic violence issues. We dealt with drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and simply had the tremendous opportunity to try to love women well and help them understand their value. We're just outside of Chicago, if you want to know where we're at. Um, I transitioned into serving as a pastor for eight years. got the opportunity to invite a church to explore what it would really look like to allow women at all levels of leadership. And my very uh, last day um, is the day that they officially nominated and voted in uh, female elders and opened up the doors for women to serve in all levels of leadership. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it was a gift to be a part of. And right now, I currently am a spiritual life and leadership coach. And what that means is I basically focus on women and men who are seeking to empower women. And I help women move beyond anxiety in their leadership and move toward freedom. And I help men try to understand the ways that they might have moments like I had in the mall, where there's something Mm. that they've been doing automatically regards to women Uh, or potentially in regards to people of color, if I'm coaching an individual who is white and help them to become aware of that and then figure out how they can step into transformation, change that behavior, truly love others and truly seek to empower others through what they're doing in their leadership. And so my family is, uh, there are four of us. There's my husband, Toussaint, who uh, is a psychologist and he makes me a better person. He challenges me, makes me a better person. He's uh, an advocate through and through. And then I have two children, Sadie, who's 12, and Isaiah, who is 10. He, my daughter teaches me how to be brave, and my son teaches me how to be carefree. They're such a tremendous gift. Yeah. Cam, one thing that I do, and I was hoping you will comment on it, but I will jump in. Yes, yes. Cam is an amazing cook. You guys, right now we're drinking the best chai tea. I texted her yesterday and said, hey, do you know how to make chai tea? Thinking, hey, you can stop at Starbucks if you want that. <laughs> but no, she's like, I find a recipe and this horny one <laughs> came in and smelled amazing. That's one of the gifts. And I remember the first, um, one of the stories I do remember about you is you had your door open. We live in the same mm-hmm. floor. And there was this powerful smell of deliciousness coming out of your door. And I think in that moment, my decision was like, I need to be friends with these people. <laughs> 
So, as if you want a great menu and find a great restaurant with great food, talk to Kim. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. We're not going to say her phone number here, but... <laughs> That's so good. It's so it's so Gladys. Um, we we've been friends for a long time. It is said, and um, this podcast really birthed out of some conversations that we were having and looking at the state of the world. But can you tell me why is it that you wanted to take time to invest in having conversations around the idea of pursuing peace? Um, you know, I was thinking about this when we were trying to figure out why doing this. Sometimes I have the tendency to say, I'm like, well, what is it to say? You know, those thoughts of coming and saying, well, there's so many podcasts out there. I'm a podcast junkie. Yeah. have so many in my queue. And, but I was still feeling that calling. I was like, this conversation needs to happen because I was having this conversation in the grocery aisle. I was having these conversations at that pick up, picking up my kids at school. And every time we see each other, it was like, okay, I have to go. We obviously we have families and we're busy. Those conversations would keep coming up and up. And part of it is a little bit of my personality of having, let's talk about the hard things. Yeah. And how can we do this? Um, but it, a lot of, I'm going to be honest, I'm, it's a little bit to help me to try to figure out this, the state of the world, what's in here, and um, how can we be this pursuit of peace? Yeah. And it was it took us a while to find out to figure out the the, um, the topics of this of the yeah, yeah. of the podcast because I don't know if you're a fan of the Enneagram. You're gonna hear a lot of this here because we're both big fan, but. <laughs> I'm an eight in the Enneagram. And usually eight, a lot of my friends will say, no, I'm a seven because where is the party? But yeah. uh, it's th- how to stir the pot, the pot a little bit, how yeah. to move people in a way that to move people to love others, um, not necessarily to just create conflict. Um, so I did have a hard time. I'm like, peace. For who? For myself? For the world? When I visit these families, I, I see that that's... It's universal. That's what everybody wants. They want to raise their family and love their kids and be at peace with their neighbor and with themselves. It's, yeah. So here's my short answer. I think for me, just seeing the state of the world, seeing, raising my children and just struggling with my own thoughts and my own, internally, how can I bring the peace not only in my home, which it will be easier to just, be overprotected, but to my neighbor, to my extended family. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But how about you? I think that for me, uh, very similar to you, but my husband and I began having some conversations a couple of years ago, and we are people who take action. I think both of us could say that of our families. We're people who take action, who believe that we're created to bring about change in this culture, that is people who are created in the image of God, that we engage in that part of God's character and we reflect that part of God's character by enacting change in the world that restores systems and moves things towards justice and helps people be more whole. But a couple of years ago, I think that there was just this weightiness about what was going on in our political climate that I found us having some conversations saying things like, man, it just feels like there's not anything I can do. In between police shootings, 
right? Uh, the deaths of black men and black women and women of color. I should say black and brown men and women. Um, as well as just what was going on in the political climate, what was happening at the border, what continues to happen at the border. We found ourselves just feeling a bit powerless. One day, I remember looking at my husband and going, we aren't powerless. Like, let's remember what we actually have, the places that we can take action. And those steps toward actions are the ways in which we pursue peace. And as I mentioned a minute ago, you know, um, for for me and I think for Gladys and I, that this is really driven by our understanding of who God is and who God has created us to be. And so we see God is one who restores and God is one who brings about shalom. And shalom is the biblical word for peace. Hmm. And what we know about biblical shalom, it's actually about how we move something to a place of wholeness. And when we look at scripture, we see this idea of shalom applied to every single area of life. How do we move this toward complete to completeness? How do we move this toward wholeness? How do we move in our personal lives toward a place of wholeness and completeness? How do I move in my character toward a place of greater wholeness? How do I move in my, in my marriage and in my relationship with my kids, in my community, like you said, and in the greater world? How can I be a part of moving things toward a place of completeness, wholeness, shalom, peace, systems that truly benefit everyone, right? Um, and, and pursue that idea of biblical justice. And so for me, I believe that the world is transformed when everyday people say yes to God in small ways. The ways in which we say yes to God can truly, truly bring about transformation in the world around us. Sometimes it is a freshly made cup of chai mm -hmm. to say, I heard you and I love you and I want to give this a try, right? Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it is calling your congressman or your congresswoman and moving toward political action. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is doing what Gladys has done time and time again and inviting your neighbors to a large table in your backyard to have tacos just because we can, we can see that we can indeed do this life together that we might disagree with things, but we can come together around the table. So for me, it really is my hope that through this podcast is Gladys and I explore in our own lives what does it mean to pursue peace, to move toward a greater place of completeness at multiple levels, but that you would join us on that journey, that you would feel invited in and empowered to do the same thing in your life through a cup of coffee, a conversation, a hug, maybe some advocacy sometimes or maybe just gathering around a table for a meal. So Gladys, before we go, do you have anything else that you want to add? Yeah, I, I realize that when we talk about peace, I know for many, and I, I've been guilty of this, it's like, I don't want to confront. Mm -hmm. Peace means we don't talk about hard things. Uh -huh. um, and I realize this, that it's, it's not going to be enjoyable for many people. Mm -hmm. to bring up those conversations. Yeah. And because it's hard. Right. It's hard. We're dealing yeah. with a lot of, um, just a lot of things that we, the way that we grow up in understanding. Obviously, I didn't, I was not raised here. I don't yeah. understand a lot, a lot of that uh, history of America. I'm trying. Yeah. Um, but I, I do realize that, that for many, having hard conversations don't necessarily mean peace, yeah. inviting so many people to a house of 13 square foot 
a dog for children, a college student, doesn't mean a lot of peace. Yeah. To the contrary. Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but it's necessary. Obedience, I heard something last week. So obedience doesn't mean that it's easy. And that's hard for me because I like easy. Right. I like easy so much. Right. <laughs> I don't want to struggle. I don't I don't I don't want to struggle. And a lot of you know, my daily work when I'm working with kids that are hesitant to try new things because it's hard, because of their limitation. I talk to the parents about it, say, Hey, we need to expand their capacity of suffering. And that sounds so like suffering. Wow. I don't want my kids to suffer. But when I say that out loud, it's a convicting for me. It's my capacity of suffering, of disturbing my comfort. Yeah. Am I expanding that in my daily life when I feel interrupted for my own agenda? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's we're going to expand your capacity of listening well, that's and good. suffering sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And some weeks will be light and fun, and some weeks will be heavier because that is just the way that the world works. And that's the way it works when we pursue peace, right? Mm -hmm. It is indeed about increasing capacity. I love the way you worded that um, in in being able to build resilience and grit in the process of of moving ourselves, moving others uh, toward a place of greater completeness, wholeness, shalom, peace. So that is all for today. Uh, We do invite you to join in. We're going to begin a series starting next week about pursuing peace during the holiday season. And so in the midst of that, we're going to tell some funny stories about some challenging moments that we've had with family during the holidays. We're going to invite some people to join us to give practical skills about how they make it through the holidays. And it's our hope that you can enter into the holiday season with a greater sense of peace, knowing that you have some practical tools that you can utilize in the holiday season. So thank you so much for joining us. And again, we are your hosts, Gladys Ganger. And I am Kim Whetstone. Peace, hope, love, and we look forward to seeing you next time.